0: The conversations on this podcast are between the host and the guest and are not directed at any member of the general public. The information is for your listening pleasure but is not offering you any personal advice. If you have heard something that you feel may be relevant to yourself, please visit your medical practitioner or mental health provider. Well, that's the end of another season, season four. Thank you for joining me. I've had a really great season this one. I've really enjoyed all the guests and thank them for their contribution to the podcast. It's been really amazing. Thank you for all your feedback as well. I mean, look, the emails, the messages on Instagram and so forth, really good, really positive. I'm really happy that everybody's enjoying the podcast. Let me just thank those people who were guests this season. So there was Olympic medal winner Sarah Stevenson. Yana Lalik, who was the cult specialist, and we talked about all different things to do with cults. It was amazing to actually meet her and speak to her. Uh, The Mind Tradie, Jamie Usher. Go and listen to his podcast. We had a discussion around mental health and the stigma around it. Emma, who talked about her time in Yogi Bhajan's cult. That episode was called The Cult That Stole My Childhood, and the reason we picked that, That title was because she really did have her childhood stolen. And it's really important to listen to these conversations and to remember that these things are happening around the world and to give out kindness and compassion to people who have been through these sorts of things. After that, I spoke to the amazing Rob Mack. Robert Mack, he's the happiness coach in the USA. I absolutely love speaking to him. We had a really great connection and a really great conversation. And, you know, he's going to be joining me again in the next season. So he was another great one as well. I spoke to clinical psychologist uh, Holly Mason from the UK, and we talked about addictive behaviours, which was just amazing. You know, all these behaviours that we don't think are addictive are actually addictive. I spoke to the Big Mouth, Big Brother contestant, Tim Dormer, and he is sensational to listen to as well. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that one. That was really good. I spoke to Jackson Tippett about his recovery from uh, steroids and how he managed to change his life around and still be a bodybuilder and a model, but not using steroids. I also spoke to... Isaac Lee about vulnerability and I thought that was an important one because as men we don't tend to be as vulnerable or most men don't tend to be as vulnerable as women do so it was good to talk to him as a psychologist and myself and discuss about vulnerability and why it's important for us to show vulnerability And the last episode today is with one of my favorites. It's Sarah Edmondson, who was part of the cult of Nexium, and she was the whistleblower. You can go back and listen to her episode because, you know, when I spoke to her, I I got a completely different outlook on what the cult of Nexium was like and what they went through and how they had been brainwashed. And it's amazing when you hear from someone who's been in there what it's actually like. And if you haven't seen it, you should go and see The Vow, Series 1 and Series 2. You should also pick up uh, Sarah Edmondson's book called Scarred because it's a brilliant read. Her episode is 149. If you want to go back and listen to that before you listen to this episode. But, look, thank you, everyone, who's been involved this season. It's been a tough one. I've had quite a few personal issues going on with a friend and also with my mum. So it's been hard going getting this season out. But like always, everybody's giving me great feedback and I've made so many new friends from Instagram, from the podcast, from Facebook, just doing Life Changes You. And, you know, life does change you. And even though I've had these personal things going on in my life, it changes us for the better or for the worst. But either way, life always changes you. So thank you for listening to this season. Season four, I'll be back with season five sometime in January. I'm not sure yet when but heaps of new guests heaps of guests coming back and next year is going to be a really fantastic year talking about mental health inspiration psychology helping each other get through this life as it changes you so thank you enjoy this episode mm-hmm. Hello and welcome to Life Changes You. I'm Daniel and I'm excited because I spoke to this lady, I think in last season, season we in season four, I can't remember what season we're in now. I think it was last season, maybe it was the season before that. But so I have Sarah Edmondson back with me. Now, Sarah was the whistleblower on the Nexium cult. We're going to discuss a little bit about the Nexium cult and then refer you back to that episode so you can have a listen because that was really in depth but she now runs a little bit culty podcast with her husband, Nippy, which sheds light on different cults around the world. And it's going gangbusters as far as I know, because it's just everybody I know is listening to it. So hello, Sarah, how are you?
1: I'm good. How are you, Daniel? Thanks so yeah, much for very having good. me.
0: <laughs> Look, it's, uh, it's good. Uh, it's 11.30 here in Australia, and it, I think it's about 8.30am where you are in Atlanta. Georgia. Uh,
1: yes, I'm in Atlanta, Georgia. My kids woke me up late. So I've rolled out of bed. I got my coffee. You're going to bed. I'm just waking up. It's great. This is what we do with these time zones. Crazy.
0: Look, look, I mean, the, the time zones for podcasting aren't actually very good, especially the side of America you're in now. It's, uh, makes it really hard to connect. So let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about what Nexium was, just so that people who are listening for the first time can get a grab on it and then, go back and listen to the other podcasts that you were on. Sure. So absolutely. tell me a little bit about Nexium and, and what it was and what it did.
1: Sure. So if anyone's listening to this for the first time and hasn't listened to the other episode, the brief little soundbite I'll give you is that with all the things that I'm talking about today, there's what we thought we were doing and what it actually was. So what we thought we were involved with was a personal and professional development program, a seminar where you would go and bring your goals and work on your limiting beliefs so that you could achieve your true potential and work through all of your um, personal limitations so that you could be the best version of yourself. That's the short, the short version. It was a goals program, and yeah. and it was using sort of a therapeutic model to. And we use a lot of different metaphors to try to explain it when we were in it and looking at, we, we often said, imagine that you have an operating system, just like a computer. And every now and then you need to upgrade the software. And that's, that's how we described it. To this day, I actually still do believe that people can do that. It's just yeah. in this environment, we were doing that with a method. We found out later that the leader had cobbled together from a whole bunch of other modalities, claimed it was his own genius So we attributed all of our success to him and his, you know, brilliant mind. I say that in quotes, brilliant mind. And later we found out I I was there for 12 years. This is a very abridged version.
0: Yeah.
1: As, As my loyalty and commitment to the company, you know, grew over the years and it became more and more an insular us versus them environment. I eventually found out that the leader was not who he said he was. He was branding the women with his initials as a part of a secret sorority, which is ultimately what woke me up and not the branding itself, but finding out that it was his initials and that he was using this secret society within Nexium to procure loyalty, keep the women um, in the company and basically make sure that he had a steady supply of sex. And that wasn't the case for me. I was married and I was somewhat protected from that, thank goodness. But many of the women were abused there was an incredible amount of course of control we knowing what i know now it checks all the boxes of what a cult or a, a group that a high demand group uses to keep people in and when i found that out and that he was doing this to so many women myself my husband and a um, a handful of other people who were also involved we blew the whistle went to the new york times that article sparked an investigation and the leader is now in jail. Keith area is in jail for 120 years plus five years probation. So five that's, that's probation. like, yeah, I know. Right. That's, that's and that my husband. And I always laugh about that, but, um, that's the like kind of the, the, the short version, um, is that, is that a, enough of a summary or what else do you think your listeners might want to know?
0: Definitely. Look, I, I just found the episode so that this is a good part to put it in. So episode 149 is Sarah. And I think we talked for about an hour and five minutes about Nexium, about how it evolved, about the sashes and about working your way up the ranks and bringing people in. And then um, the DOS, which was the secret female society that was added on where people were branded and made to lose weight and give collateral, you know, go back and listen to that. It's brilliant. And then also um, your book was called Scarred, wasn't it? Scarred? Yes. the story
1: of how I escaped Nexium. the cult that bound my life. I don't know what all these post-its are. Oh yeah. From another interview.
0: Yeah, well, (laughs) I read that book before I I did this, the the last episode with you, and it was brilliant. And, yeah, it was really insightful. And you really just laid it all out there. So go and get the book as well, Scarred. Brilliant. And for those who didn't realize Season 2 of The Vow has just started, I think we're up to Episode 3 or 4 now. And how good is it?
1: (laughs) Well, you know, every time there's a new thing released, about nexium it started actually even before the vow years ago there was another podcast if people are really nexium obsessed they should listen to escaping nexium and that was a podcast on the cbc where i was not i was i wasn't the interviewer i was just one of the subjects and the interview interviewer was a my best friend from not my best friend he was one of my old childhood friends who i've known my whole life like from daycare so it was a really really interesting dynamic that was the first wave of people finding out about this. Sorry, after the New York Times. First it was the New York Times. Then it was the CBC podcast. Then my book came out a year later. Then season one of The Vow came out. Now it's been two years. And in the interim, we've been doing our podcast. Now season two. So every time there's a new media release, there's a new wave of stress
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: and a very strange kind of attention because it's not it's more positive now because people understand what it was that we were doing, uh, thanks to The Vow. And I'm very grateful to the team because when you look at the New York Times, it was a very simple explanation. These women were in a secret group and they got branded and they gave nude photos. It doesn't explain how they got to that point, how we all got to that point. Whereas with The Vow, I feel like they did us a real service to show the world that we thought that we were getting into and the dream that we were building to the point where people who I've known my whole life, who always thought what I was doing was weird, finally said to me, I get it now. And I probably would have joined too. Yeah. So that to me is really important. And actually what really drives even our podcast now, we're trying to educate people to show what the red flags look like so they can see it in their lives. The person who says that could never happen to me. I would never see that. I would, I would always see that coming. I'm not that naive, And there's, I think that is true that there's a handful of people perhaps that aren't susceptible or maybe you're just so isolated in their life, they'd never encounter something like this. But generally, every single person I talk to, especially the ones that say, Oh, I'm so, you know, I'm so happy that, that you got out and I I would never fall for that. And then they continue to tell me about some other thing that they do that's not culty that I'm like, Oh, dude, that's totally a cult. You just don't (laughs) know yet. (laughs) You know, like some, Oh, like, yeah, you know, I just do yoga. Like I do Bikram's yoga. I'm like, have you seen the documentary I about know, Bikram? He's yeah. a call leader. It's the same thing, you know, like yeah. that kind of stuff. So I'm very passionate. Actually, so many people write to me about Australia and about different groups in Australia. There's a lot, and New Zealand.
0: Yeah. There's well, a I lot spoke of to, shit
1: happening there.
0: <coughs> I spoke to Yana. Yanya. Yana, y- Yanya a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. And it was Yanya. amazing. All Yanya this- Lalek. Y- Yanya.
1: <laughs> Yanya Lalek.
0: Lalik, It was amazing. Yeah. She told yeah. me about these um, cults that were in Australia that I'd never heard of. And, you know, I, I usually know quite a bit about the cults that are going on because I hear bits and then I start researching them. But it was like, wow, you know, I didn't even know we had these cults here. But she was incredible to talk to all the different knowledge she knew about so many different people. And I just wanted to go back to, you know, like you were just saying how uh, joining Nexium, you know, you didn't see anything wrong with it until these things started going wrong. And I think I said to you in the last podcast. Podcast we did. Um, I had watched the vow. I knew everything that had happened. But then I rewatched it before we talked, and still watching the second time and listening to Keith and Nancy talking, I was going actually that's not a bad idea. And I was feeling like I was getting sucked in again, even though I already knew what had happened. (laughs) You know, so they were very good at verbalizing what they wanted to say, weren't they?
1: They were, and what. The truth of the matter is that not everyone in my camp, the people who've left agree with me on this. There's people who think it's all bad and throw the baby out with the bathwater. For me, because I spent so much time there, I've had to go, okay, what was good about it? Because there has to be good things to drive people in. Yeah. And I just think that that's the most healthy thing for me in my journey. And also I have to say, okay, what was good about it? But who created that tool originally? Because it wasn't Keith and Nancy. Yeah. Because it is true. What they're saying is really helpful. There's a lot of very... Beautiful, useful tenants to th- some of the key principles. It's just not from them. Yeah. So that's that's really good to know that all of these groups have things on the outside that look great, and that's and that's what otherwise what you nobody no, I wouldn't have signed up and said, hey, oh, can I join a course and then in twelve years get the leader's initials seared into my flesh? No, thank yeah. you. It doesn't work that way.
0: And it is all the manipulation as well, isn't it? Because as you're going along, you're not realizing these things are happening until you start looking back and then you go, hold on a minute, what was happening then? That wasn't right. Because I guess they're masters of manipulation. And Nancy being an NLP practitioner, I mean, she really knew how to change things around, I guess, to get right into your head without you knowing she was in there.
1: Absolutely. I mean, it's course of control is insidious it's very hard to perceive if you don't know what you're looking at. and NLP in particular is almost invisible. It's yeah. a it's a sk- it's a skill set. like I remember you know we all learned it not in the same way that Nancy did, but both Nancy and myself like we'd meet people, ask them a couple questions, they'd say a couple things and I'd say something like, oh so are your parents your parents are divorced then and they go, how did you know you' like are you psychic?" And I'm like, well, it's just sort of an I, I could hear it. In yeah. their language, and yeah. I would make certain assumptions based on things that they said. Like after speaking to a, such a huge volume of people over twelve years about their challenges, it's like there was only so many challenges or limitations or problems that people had. I could see it like an equation. Yeah. Is, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So that there was almost like when Nancy met people, they would. God, like wow like you're so skilled and it was, I mean it, it, it did feel like magic in some ways yeah. sometimes, sometimes the way that she was able to help people or you know I, I would give somebody an EM and work them through an issue like maybe they hadn't talked to their parents or their dad or something in 12 15 years because they had a fight and then I'd be able to help them through that like that was incredibly moving to me but it was it was a skill set that unfortunately it wasn't like a I wasn't trained properly in a therapeutic model I was trained by somebody who and someone's intentions are now questionable. So Can I just ask
0: a, you what an EM yes, was?
1: Sure. An EM is an exploration of meaning. So that's right. when you would, you'd bring a challenge to a facilitator or a coach or an EM practitioner, exploration of meaning practitioner, and say, like, for example, every time I'm doing my podcast, if one of my guests are late, that was me this morning, guys, <laughs> <laughs> for Daniel, you know, maybe I get really angry, you right. know? And then I don't want to be that way. I want to be like, I'm not saying you were. I'm just trying to yep. think of an example. Yeah. <laughs> so you you'd you'd get to the root. Like the first thing that I worked on was my boyfriend at the time when I started ESP used to leave dishes around. He was really messy. So I brought did an EM on what the anger I would feel when I'd come home and find crusty dishes in the sink, which was a real freedom for me because I was so controlling about how the apartment had to be that it was really difficult to be around me. And that just I just let go of it. After that EM, what it did is it looked at the belief system that held the reaction in place, which now I know is is a methodology that you can find in a number of different modalities in the therapeutic field. But he put it together and made it look like it was his way, the only way of breaking a stimulus response pattern. And that was the way to joy, the path to joy.
0: So with Keith, I was reading uh, the other day that he was classed as one of the three top progressive thinkers in the world where did you read that <laughs> I don't know but I, I just thought of it before because I remember reading yeah. it and thinking yeah you had some good ideas but I don't think you were that good but then he was well, a great volleyball yeah. player and a p- pianist and all these things wasn't he uh, uh, don't, for, don't, for, don't
1: forget a judo champ at age 11
0: oh that's right yeah
1: <laughs> yes judo champ so you know Again, there's what we were told and then what was the reality. And what we were told is that he was very smart and then he was one of the top three problem solvers in the world and that he was in the Guinness Book of World Records. And it's true. I think it was in 1989. He was in the Guinness Book of World Records based on a test that what they did at that time. And it was a take home test that you could like bring to the library and like take (sighs) home and think about. And we've since learned from the women who knew him then that him and a team of women (laughs) His harem at the time, because he's yeah. had many harems over the years. This is not just since next year; he's been had a he's had a harem since the early early years, like since the eighties. Okay, right. his harem filled out that test. Wow, and that's what got him in the Guinness Book of Records. It doesn't; he wasn't continuously in the. It was one time, and yeah. they no longer did it because that test was deemed like not measurable. Yeah, 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 which is ironic because his whole thing was his tools are scientific, they're measurable, they're quantifiable, they're verifiable, blah 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 blah. Look, Liar.
0: Um, <laughs> looking at the new season of The Vow, I mean, I, I saw in one episode Nancy was going through, and Nancy was the president. I think was she the president of Nexium?
1: She was what we called the prefect, the head of the school. But yeah, for lack of a better word, president yeah. is fine.
0: And she was going through all these boxes, I think, in a garage or in a house, and they were full of all this work that they'd done. And she's going, Oh, and Keith used to sit on the floor and write all these out. And I've kept them all. And I just thought, if that's only a small amount of what he produced, I mean, it was it was phenomenal what he was producing, wasn't it? Or her and him together. It was nonstop. And those crazy times when he draws the diagrams on the on the paper and then flips the paper page over. And I mean Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's it's really hard to watch. One of my main passions right now is like when I talk about this, is to show any audience, in this case, your audience, what's the red flag in yeah. this in this thing. So the red flag here is if you're if you're part of a group where the leader is touted as the person with the answer and the only way to solve. The world's problems or your problems and everyone starts to idolize that person and put them on a pedestal and you can't question them you can't say wait a second that doesn't i don't understand yeah it doesn't add up those are huge 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 red flags and we all learned you don't question and there was many things where i was like i have no idea what he's talking about even nancy said we didn't know we understand what he was talking about but we just Mm. we just sat and listened
0: And I think also giving him the name of Vanguard, I mean, it it just, yeah, look, I I guess we're lucky that he got the 120 years. I see in the vow that he's still talking to some people via telephone and having meetings with people on the phone. It's a shame that they can't stop that, isn't
1: it? I believe that since then they have,
0: because
1: currently, if you look up like what his complaints are through his lawyers, they've cut off a lot of communication, which blows my mind that he was able to, he'd be in jail for 120 years, but could still give directives from prison. Yeah, And I, I, I think, and this is totally just my speculation that in some ways they let him do that because it's all recorded. It's not like, it's not like it's private conversations, no. you know, all, all conversations are monitored. All emails are monitored. All phone calls are monitored. I think that he believes he's above the law. We, I mean, Nexium did even when I was in it, they didn't pay taxes. Yeah, they felt like that was an unethical system, that it was okay to lie for a higher principle, for example, which is common, by the way, in a lot of cults. Yeah, they think that it's okay. It's like the ends justify the means that there's a whole new system of ethics in that particular group. So I think that he just, you know, he, he'll do I mean, at this point, it's a hail. Do you know the term Hail Mary? Is that a, is that an Australian thing? Uh, Or a Canadian or it's it's a sports thing like my husband uses it all the time, which I don't even know if I'm going to say this right. But (laughs) it's like the last ditch attempt in football. It's like like what does he have to lose? Like he's already in jail for 120 years. He's going to do whatever it takes to get out. Right. And he's pulling all sorts of shit from prison. He said he says he got punched. He didn't fight back because he believes in nonviolence and people are out to get him. And but yeah, since then, the lawyer's. Um, or like the, the prison itself has stopped communication with the people who are be- doing his bidding.
0: Yeah. And so there are still crazy. some Nexium followers out there that are doing things, are there?
1: Unfortunately, yes. There's a group of what we call the loyalists. Some people call the dead enders, the true believers. And there's just a handful of them, but they're, they're featured in the vow. So now everyone knows who they are. Yeah, you You've seen them. So it's hard to watch though. <laughs> What's that yeah. like for you to watch, as somebody who, like, because you don't know them, like, I these no, people no, no. were at my wedding. What's that like oh, for okay. you?
0: Yeah, like this one <laughs> when it first started, the first episode. I mean, I guess the first one, it just unravelled the whole thing about Nexium. You were on there talking, your husband, mm-hmm. uh, Mark, and it really opened it all up and explained everything to us. I and mean, in the first episode, I was a bit like, oh, there was, a, but then I realised they were people who were still loyal to Keith. I can't remember their names, but they were telling their bits. And then I'm like, oh, okay. So there's still people who are believing in what he's saying. And then the second episode was featured on Nancy. And I was sort of a bit like blown away that they would do a whole episode on her because it seemed that as she was talking, she was just, manipulating the audience to believe in her and not to right. see what was it was almost like she was here's my smoke screen and I'm just perfect yes. and nothing's wrong and i yes. didn't do anything and i don't know anything about anything <laughs> look she might not have known about the dosing but she knew about everything else so she must yeah. have known something about it and her daughter was in it so yeah you know it's sort of it's it, 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 i just uh, can't put it into words what that episode was like like you're just thinking <laughs> are you really this screwed up that mm-hmm. you think that the people watching are going to believe that you just didn't know any of this stuff was happening. I mean, I think it was in the third episode, you could see her sitting next to Keith and she was saying, oh, and he would just sort of shrug me off and ignore me. And and then you sort of went, well, you're, you, it seems like you're a puppy just sitting there wanting any attention he's going to give you.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I've, th- we're now on episode three, so who knows what will happen by episode six, but for sure, all of us watching episode one were like, What? Because that's her we call that her spiel. Yeah. I'd been in the company for 12 years. Every time we went to a new city and Nancy was introduced, that was the spiel. Like we've right. heard that so yeah. many times. Even just the way that that she would pause, and even the delivery of the story was the same. And I'm like, yeah. Do you believe this? Do you still believe this? And the outpouring of messages that I got from around the world as a, as like one of the public figures in this case, yeah. people going, what the F, you know, how yeah, could this yeah. be? And she's, and I, I'm like, I'm just hoping, and I'd heard, I've heard that she's since come to terms with what she's done. We shall see. yeah, And I hope so for her sake and her own, you know, karmic journey, but it was really hard to watch. And it was harder even to watch the loyalists who have so much like, one of the key phrases in Nexium when we were in was get the data. In other words, get the information. Right. So like if you were upset about something or like you'd heard, you know, I don't know, maybe your dad was sick. Like, don't freak out. Go talk to the doctor. Get the data. Get the information. <laughs> Deal with it when you get there. Yes. If you'd heard something had happened, you don't like just assume that's true. You get the data. You okay. you find out the truth about it. You get the information. And and what you hear about something, like if it's not, if it's just gossip, it's not verifiable. But when things are recorded, you know, or it's written or it's the best type of data was when you have a recording. That's why they recorded everything. Oh, yeah. yeah, They recorded everything. That was why there was so much great footage for The Vow, because Keith wanted everything recorded so it could be verified. And so there was, there was nobody that could say, well, Keith said, you know, you shouldn't eat meat because blah, blah, blah. They'd be like, let's refer to the video where he talks about vegetarianism. Yeah. Okay, so everything was recorded, including Keith telling Allison Mack, have the women say, Master, would you brand me? It would be an honor so that it looks consensual.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: All of this evidence is in court. It is, sure, but people's testimony can all be dismissed by them as, well, they're just lying. Everyone's testimony is lying. Now they're saying the evidence is not real evidence because it's been tampered with. So this, this is not in the vow, but this is what's happening right now in real life. Yeah. So when we first left the people who were the leadership that were like, couldn't handle the truth or whatever, they said, wow, this is so bad. Why don't you go to the authorities? So we went to the authorities, you know, well, the justice system will handle it. We went to the justice system. Well, now the justice system's unethical because they planted evidence. It's all planted. All the evidence, all the data is planted. There's text messages like for days, miles and miles of text messages between Keith and his, some of his underage victims and the people that he messed with. That is so wildly inappropriate. I'm not even going to say it on this podcast because it's like grotesquely, sexually explicit and private and all that stuff is not private anymore because it's public. You can, somebody really wants to know and learn about this case there's six weeks, trials worth of evidence of all the things that happened. So my point is, is that the loyalists have to say none of that's true. And, and, and whatever is true is misunderstood. It's all a smear campaign. It's all a false narrative started mostly by me, Sarah Edmondson, for, for my book deal. Yeah. And I'm just an attention seeker. So I don't, I don't know how they're justifying now as Nancy starts to admit culpability and Lauren, th- th- so far, their whole thing has been like they just had to do that. So they, they're they just saving their own hide, but they still believe in Keith. No, nobody else believes in Keith. Everyone can see he's a sociopath. They can't see he's a sociopath. It is so infuriating, Daniel. It keeps me awake at night. I cannot tell you.
0: Well, look, in my opinion, uh, watching Nancy and Lauren, and I think Allison Mack has even turned now. Um, You know, I I have the feeling that they've done it all because either a lawyer or someone has said to them, if you don't distance yourself from this freak, you're going to go down for as much as him. And they all seem to just be like, oh, well, you know, accepting guilty pleas on minor things. Yeah. And, you know, I would like to see, in my opinion, someone like Nancy, who is, was the president not culpable maybe for the sexual stuff because maybe she wasn't there, but everything else. And I still think there's a lot there that she could be charged with. We shall see what happens, I guess. We shall see. What happens in, yeah. the, in the future.
1: Yeah, we shall see for sure.
0: I found the episode interesting because we spoke about this in the last podcast, the part on Tourette's. And, uh, I mean, there's parts of it where I went, actually, they've got something here. But then the way they went about it was like, they haven't got something here because it was just so uh, I can't think of a word for it. I, I know there was years ago, there was a way of teaching people with autism how to put things into like colors and circles and squares. But it was when they got it wrong, they got slapped. So it oh. was it, it worked, but it was so barbaric that it, it was mm-hmm. It made you feel sick when you watch some of these videos. Right. And I almost felt the same with the Tourette's thing. I mean, I can't remember the girl's name. Isabella. Lydia, Isabella. She was so mm. mixed up from what happened to her and so brainwashed that she might not have Tourette's, but she's got a whole stack of other things that she didn't have in the beginning.
1: Right. And I, I was definitely, I was a witness to that. I saw that whole journey and I was Mar- Nippy and I were there, excuse me, as she was leaving. And it's horrendous. Like the, the, the phone calls that you see between her and Mark Elliot. where by the way, I'm so, <laughs> so super proud of her because she actually stands up to him and it's subtle. She doesn't, she doesn't say like, no, fuck you Mark, I'm in yeah. a cult. She's like, Oh, he, <laughs> he says, you know, careful. Cause you're going to ruin the Tourette's. And she goes, who's mine, yours or the study? Like, <laughs> That's, that's, that's a subtle dig. And I was really, really proud of her for saying that truly, because nobody stands up to these people, you know, and that's, that was good for me to watch. But I will tell you that I heard, like, I would be with her on phone calls with Mark during that time, and he gaslit her so badly that she was spinning, like she was strong there, but I've seen her just be like derailed by him in the most abusive way that I can't even, I can't even explain without playing you the phone call, which I don't have obviously, but it's it's very upsetting to watch somebody get gaslit when you know what is going on.
0: Well, look, I I think we can all be pleased that uh, Keith has gone down for 120 years. Hopefully, as you say, they've shut down his communication with his followers because he needs to be silenced now. And uh, we probably need to forget his name and move on. I mean, you're obviously quite away from when this first all happened now. So how mm-hmm. do you feel now going on with your future? I mean, look, let's talk about your podcast a little bit Colty, which is just blowing up the podcast world. When did you start that and how's it going?
1: We started that in January, a few months after the vow, season one aired. And yep. that happened in COVID. It was at a time when, you know, the season season one happened People were reaching out from all over the world, you know, with their own stories about how they had woken up from Mor- Mormonism and Jehovah's Witness and various culty churches and yoga studios that were like, wow, I didn't understand what was happening to me until I saw the vow. And, yeah. you know, if you read my book, you'll see that I've always wanted to help people. That's, you know, that's been a real driving force. My own personal journey of like ev- evolution is, is paired with, I love working with people. I love helping yeah. people. I obviously bet on the wrong horse. Nexium was not a good tool for that. <laughs> but when I got out and I found out that my journey and my escape and my healing was also helping people. That was very rewarding for me. And it kind of helped me to heal the betrayal wound and the, the wound of, holy fuck, 12 years of my life dedicated to the a sociopathic, narcissistic, sex-addicted douchebag you know like it's yeah. that's a, that's a hard pill to swallow so to find that i could find some kind of healing and you know my husband and i always talk about me you know making making lemonade we're making lemonade or these rotten lemons and it's it happened very naturally someone wrote, reached out to us and said i'm ex-evangelical christian yeah we watch the vow we make podcasts we'd like to you pr- we think you should make one we can produce it for you and i was like really doesn't hasn't I've written a book you know the vows come about what else do people want to know and i put it on my social media and i said do you think we should make a podcast and everyone said yes 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 we want, we want more the, people want to talk about it more because mm-hmm. yeah. the vow the vow was very thorough but people had more questions yeah um and then an incredible producer and now my one of my best friends even though we've never met in person which is bizarre reached out to me and said i want to produce it for you and i think it should be called a little bit culty and that's Jess tardy and so between jess and citizens of sound we produce what was just a little hobby in our living room to now um almost a hundred thousand downloads a week, yeah which is which is crazy and also very ironic to me because in Nexium, there was seventeen thousand approximately people went through it, yeah, so to know that we're reaching a hundred thousand a week is just you know a little bit of a fuck you to that whole situation oh, look, okay, that I, mean, I I could uh, swear right I sworn no, like yeah.
0: I, I, I read your um media booklet. Um, yeah. Media what you kit, send yeah. Out. yeah um and yeah, look, I mean it's just incredible because I think um when we did the last one, you were sort of starting to go on the upward trajectory. And look, what I like about your podcast is I'll watch a documentary on Netflix or HBO or something. Let's take, for example, the, the vegan one. I can't remember what it's vegan called. Yeah, Yeah. Bad Vegan. And I watched that and I really liked it and I was like, wow, okay, this all happened. And then I listened to your episode and I was like, oh, actually, it's a bit different to what they put out as a show. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's what I like is because then you get more of what, The actual truth was, and not, I guess a lot of documentaries are going to gloss over a lot of stuff. Yes. Because if they showed you all the doom and gloom of what people have been through, no one would be able to stomach it. So to make it look more uh, appealing, I guess they give whatever they want. And the person being interviewed doesn't always get a say in how it's finally cut.
1: Right. What's really interesting for me about my position is Sarma from Bad Vegan had been listening to a little bit culty to process her experience yeah it was sort of her i mean podcasts are free it's this is i'm not saying it's in lieu of therapy people should always get therapy but it's also been helpful to people i think to have access to experts survivors whistleblowers who've gone through a similar thing can share their experience of how they got out how they're healing what they're doing now it's a real service to people who don't necessarily have access to heal right away so somebody like sarma and i connected and then to have her she gave us an exclusive she did vanity fair and we were her podcast ex- the first interview she did and that really for us was like also very healing because i loved her restaurant if you and if you guys mm-hmm. haven't seen if your listeners haven't watched bad vegan do watch it it is not a very responsible documentary, in my opinion, because it, it paints her to be, to maybe be culpable, which I don't believe she is. I believe yep. she was fully conned by this guy, and she takes responsibility for the things that she did, and she's still doing that. And um, to me, she's a real hero because these people don't talk. the pr- The problem with and and why these things have existed for so long, up until now, now it's starting to change, is that people wake up from these things, they get out, and they don't talk about it because they're so ashamed. They're so embarrassed that they got conned. Everyone goes, well, that's stupid. Like, why did you give him all your money? Like, how awful. And if you look at the comments for somebody like Sarma on her page, there are people who say that. And it's really mean and really cruel. But for for everyone, there's also just as many women saying, I'm so glad you told the story. I got duped by a con. Like, so many people have a similar thing and they don't talk about it because it's so private and so scarring and embarrassing.
0: Yeah, and look, I think your greatest asset is that because you and Nippy have been in a cult and you understand what you've been through and you speak to other people who have been in cults or involved around cults, it it gives great insight to the audience that are listening because... There's a better connection. I mean, I speak to you. I, this is the second time I've spoken to you and I've spoken to quite a few people in cults, and I, I'm looking for your resilience. Like you, you, you're you mm-hmm. so resilient how you've bounced back, and that doesn't mean that you don't have shit days, shit weeks, shit mm-hmm. months. But, yes. you know, mm-hmm. the way you've handled everything, that's what I like on my show. But from, your, mm-hmm. from what you're doing on your show, you're still showing that. But it's really good for you to, for us to understand what happened in this next cult because you'll ask questions that we wouldn't even think of because you've Mm -hmm. been through it. And that's what Mm -hmm. I think gives it that better edge. That's what grips me in is that I'm like, Oh, Oh, actually that's a great question. Mm -hmm.
1: Thank you. I do. We definitely have an interesting angle that, that most people don't because of our experience. Yeah. And I'm finding it very rewarding. It's gone from a hobby to, this is what we're doing full time now. And I love it. There's cult content for days. People still email us every day about a cult I've never heard of. Yeah. Um, You'd be surprised. And there's also, This is the golden age of cult awareness. People want to know, they want to understand. And also there's more cults. There's like people, especially in COVID, people were lonely and they were looking for things, a lot of online groups, um, a lot of YouTube rabbit holes that led to very dangerous things. And so even though more, more cults are being exposed, more cults are being built and it's just, you know, it's, this will, this will be going for a while. I have a feeling.
0: Yeah, look, I, I agree with you 100%. I think in COVID, people who normally wouldn't look for stuff online were looking for different answers, mm-hmm. wanting their voices heard, and they got caught up in things that they probably didn't even know they were falling into.
1: Right, exactly. So much of that.
0: Look, it, it's booming. Uh, and mm-hmm. for all the ones we know about, there's probably a 100 that we don't know about. Absolutely. There's always someone starting something up and thinking that they're the next creation of God or something.
1: (laughs) So many people. Here's a red flag. If someone tells you that they are the voice of God or that they speak to God directly, that's a red flag. Get the fuck out. Run, run. Because listen, this this is the thing that I've learned is that most of these groups are a safe haven for pedophiles.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: Or it's just sex addicts. Like let's just create a system where people can't question me and I can have an unlimited supply of sex.
0: Well, look, I did a a podcast a couple of weeks ago with a survivor from the Yogi Bhajan uh, cult, Kundalini cult.
1: Which survivor?
0: Her name's Emma. It was the first time she'd spoken. And she was, if if you see the photo, she's like about three or four years old sitting on his lap. And she said that she was like, uh, I don't think she used the word icon, but she was the one that all the parents in the group wanted their child to be on his lap. Because she was like, everybody wanted to touch her as well as touch him. And she said, if only they knew what was going on behind the scenes to me, the parents would never have wanted their child on his lap. Um, and so that podcast Ugh. was out, I think, two weeks ago. And I she, should
1: listen to that.
0: You should, because mm. I might have to take it down.
1: <laughs> really? Why?
0: I can't say, but it might have to come down. And uh, so I want everybody to listen to it as many times as they can and share it because, yeah, it might Is have it to legal,
1: come. It's a legal concern?
0: Uh, yes. Oh, I'm sure. Even I, though I backed it up with the Olive Branch report and all these other reports that have been done and exposed what he was like, there's still those followers who want to silence. Stand strong, sort of people.
1: Daniel. No. Stand strong. You know what? We haven't, that's been on our list for a long time to do a Kundalini episode. I just hadn't found the right person that I wanted to interview yet. Cause um, uh, there was somebody who wrote a book about it. Uh, the, uh, yes. the bird in the golden cage or something like that.
0: Is that the one that then got harassed after it was released? I think so. Yeah, Well, this is episode 174. If people want to go and listen to it, I I implore you to listen to it. I had to record quite a big trigger uh, thing before it because there was a lot of triggering stuff in it, even though we decided to cut nearly not cut out, but not talk about the sexual abuse, because I know there are some people out there who just want to listen to those things and get off on it. So we decided we won't put the sexual stuff in. You can go back and read the report if you want to know what happened sexually to people.
1: Oh, yeah. It's it's such a tricky thing. I, and you know, we had the same thing when we when we talked to a number of different survivors and people were like, What but like what happened? And you didn't get to the details. I'm like, that's not my role. And it's too triggering and it's too personal. Like you can watch the documentary. I'm not gonna ask them to also like especially with somebody like Evan Rachel Wood, who was in the doc Phoenix Rising about Marilyn Manson. Oh yeah. And we had to say like allegedly a million times because his lawyers are super litigious, but I wasn't gonna ask her to go into anything that she'd already talked about in the documentary, because I just know what that's like. It's like, I remember doing an interview when I first started and getting on zoom with somebody and, and I only talked over email and I get on there like, so tell us about the night of the branding. What was that like? How'd you get there? And I was like, for fuck's sakes. No, I'm not. Yeah. And at at first I didn't even know how to articulate that I didn't want to do that. Um, and now I do, I'm like, actually, I don't like, that's why I wrote the book. So I don't have to go into those details yeah, anymore. Yeah. It's too triggering for me. And you can, you can read that and people can read that, but I don't, that's a boundary for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, and I, I respect that with other survivors too. Like you've already talked about it in the documentary. People want the details. They can go watch that. I'm not going to have you reiterate it. How are you doing now? How's your heart? How are you healing? What do you want people to know? You know, it's. Anyway, it's tricky. It's a tricky subject.
0: Well, look, with that podcast, we actually spent two and a half hours recording it, and we did it in 10-minute lots, and we planned it all out. And then afterwards, it got edited three times to make sure there was nothing in there that could be taken against her. But still, let's just wait and see. But uh, (laughs) it was an important story, and I was Mm -hmm. happy to give her the outlet to do it because I thought she was really brave to come forward and and talk Mm -hmm. about it. And Mm -hmm. if you wanted to look online, you could find... I I can share with you some of the stuff after the podcast because, yeah, she's a very brave woman and and I hope everything goes well. All right. So a little bit culty. Look, I I love it. I love it. There's so many good episodes in there. Look, you might not like every episode, but go and give it a go because Sarah and Nippy do a great job there and there's some some great stories there that you won't hear anywhere else. And if you do, they won't be as good.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Thanks for saying that. We we certainly enjoy it. And you're right, Not every ep- there's some episodes that might not float your boat. Just skip it.
0: Yeah. That's Come what back the next week.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So when are we seeing a little bit culty on tour?
1: You know, we'd like to do that. We'd like to get settled here in Atlanta before we yeah. do any trips. So we'll probably do a live show here, see how that goes. We did one at South by Southwest last March, and that was really fun to meet some of our listeners in public um and look like, in real life we did yeah. have a trip to australia planned at one point we were supposed to do a seven city tour not with the podcast but as with a with a speaker series about okay yeah uh, i think women. you said that in the yeah. last
0: podcast yeah
1: it didn't come to fruition mostly because of covid and rules yeah. and things like that but um if that happens i will for sure let you know and arrange to meet
0: yeah that'd be great well, Sarah, is there anything else you want to add before we wrap up? People should sure. watch the end of the vow.
1: Right. Watch the end of the vow. Come follow us over on Instagram on a little bit culty. And the other thing I'd mention is people listening who are coming out of cults or anything abusive or coercive control or anything that they're healing from. There's a, a community that we're involved with called hashtag I got out. Oh, yeah. And that, that community is really important. It has a lot of resources and I'm very passionate about Um, making sure that people don't feel ashamed. And that's, you know, what really what drives me is that, you know, this can happen to anyone. And if you feel like it couldn't happen to you, then that's your blind spot because you won't see it coming. It's good to know how it could happen to you and it's different for everybody.
0: Yeah. Well, look, when I uh, put this one out in the show notes, I'll put that hashtag. I got out your website, Instagram, and your podcast so that people can just log on and find you and sign up for your podcast and have a listen. And Sarah, it's always great talking to you. Thank you so much for coming back again. I love talking to you. My absolute pleasure. And, and, you know, what you've been through, I still think you're an amazing woman and you've done really well. And to push through with that prosecution, seeing it in the vow would only be a slight amount of the pressure you are under, but I can just imagine the pressure you are under bringing all this to trial, getting it out in the papers and, you know, so well done to you. You you're that's why people should listen to your podcast and find out about other cults and stuff to become aware and know that people like you are out there that are out there pushing pushing to get people safer.
1: Thank you so much. That really means a lot to me, truly. It's hasn't been an easy journey, but it's been a rewarding and very healing journey. And, you know, what a silver lining to meet somebody in Australia and and talk until midnight (laughs) your time about this stuff like we would never have met otherwise so bonus bonus for bonus for me thank you for your very your compassionate questions and your um nippy calls it pumping of the tires thanks for pumping our tires (laughs) okay
0: (laughs) well I'll have to remember the Hail Mary thing won't I
1: yeah I, I hope I got that metaphor right it's a it's a sports thing I don't know my husband's a former college football player so he throws these things out he's like it's like we're down in two and one and we got to get the right of the receiver to them I'm like i don't know what that means <laughs> hail mary i do know is i think is your last your last attempt
0: okay like last what attempt. else do you have
1: to lose you might as well pull a hail mary yeah
0: yeah. yeah.
1: google it though don't use I will, it before I will, you check i'll, I I'll get google it wrong
0: hail mary <laughs> All right. Thank you, Sarah. Have a great day.
1: Yes. Let me know when this is out and I'll help you get the word out.
0: No worries. Thank you. Okay.
1: Take care. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye.
0: Well, that was another episode of Life Changes You. If you liked it, please share it with your friends and share on social media and subscribe. Remember, you can follow us on Instagram and watch live conversations on Wednesdays and get daily updates. You can also follow the YouTube channel and watch live conversations and listen to the podcast from there. Keep sending in your emails and messages as I love reading them and interacting with you, and I'll always respond to you. So until next week, take care of yourselves and each other.